if you can't agree on the non-essentials mm-hmm. and you absolutely have to, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go make another church. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It's not even what the Bible prescribes. It's just what we're doing. And we're trying. It looks like mankind is trying their best mm-hmm. to maintain the unity of the faith just in separate buildings. Yeah. <laughs> because I'd be worried about your soul. Why you still be down and you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say. I got something to say. I got something to say to the world. Welcome to the Milk and Me podcast. I'm Aldo. I'm here with my brother Andrew. Uh, this is part two of the series that we're doing on what church to go to, breaking down what denominations. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that first part, please go back and do so. And uh, then you can come back and watch this one. God bless you guys. But and, to do this, it's like we got to build a church and we got to bring everyone in and all these walls and barriers, we got to take them down. They're not good. They keep mm-hmm. They keep that whole community out. It's like, that's like saying, hey, you can get drunk now. Yeah. Now, Methodists don't agree that, with that right now, mm-hmm. as far as they say. But it's like, you can't say that. You can't say a drunkard could just come in and continue being in their drunkenness. Right. Hey, let's open a little mini bar right. in the corner of church. Might as well, yeah. It's like, you can't do that. And they're doing that. So yeah. empowerment, that's believing that everyone's made in the image yeah. of God. It's all in the, I uh, think Bodhi Bakum says it. It's like the 11th commandment, thou shalt be nice. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> exactly like, that's, uh, you know, in the and name you don't have of to be mean. You don't have to be mean. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it's like when you correct a brother, you know, that's not mean. You no. know, th- there's definitely a mean approach yeah. to it that some people, and maybe, you know, even today, people might just have a bad way of approaching that, mm-hmm. but uh, there's definitely a loving way to do it, you know? Absolutely. You, you know, you, you speak with them, and it's like, you're struggling with this. Let me help you, yeah. you know? At, uh, especially pertaining to homosexuality. Like, I mean, especially today, that just seems like uh, it's such a touchy subject. And it's not to say that that we hate anybody from that community, but to point out that that lifestyle hates everything about God, um, because God has his order of how he how he ordered things uh, between man and, and woman. Like God is that's his design, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we are to, to stand. That. That's the standard that we're supposed we, we to. We should uh, we should not take the uh, what's his name? Michael Todd. We shouldn't take the Michael Todd approach oh, right, yeah. to apologizing for God's yeah. severity. Yeah, Michael Todd did not defend God. No, he said, he, I, he I made wish. It, yeah. yeah, he made it seem like God was unreasonable. Yeah. Like, like, look, guys, look, he's in charge. We have no choice. Like, yeah. whoops. Like, no. we have, like, he's a ruler. We, sh- we could change him. Like, he's yeah. basically saying, like, guys, it's, I'm with you. I'm with you. I wanted but to, he's in charge. Like, he had yeah, this. I like, wanted to ask him. <laughs> I was like... Is God does, is God not the one that says what is good and what is bad? My question, like, really, for that mm-hmm. is, I'll put the little clip mm-hmm. right there. God decided male and female. I, no, no, no. I'm not. This is not a bad. I need y'all to hear my heart on this. This is not a bashing. This is not. A, he. If I was there, maybe I would have told him, is there something in the middle you could do? Like kind of a, like a little maybe if somebody, well, I was born like this. I don't know how I feel. I feel you. And I wish that there was an option 
of other in the kingdom. In culture, you can make up whatever you want to. In culture, you can build whatever you want to, but it's the truth of the matter is that if we are going to submit under what the king says, I'm going to have to wrestle with what I don't even fully understand. Oh, God. The pastors don't say this because they want to be absolute. Well, why did that? I don't freaking know. I know, honestly, I wish God would have made it so much simpler and it was like A, B, C, or D, like frick. No, I'm serious. As a pastor, like, so what do you think about gay men? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's like Michael Todd appeared to be in complete disagreement with God's standard in such mm -hmm. a way that he felt like he wished he would change it. Mm -hmm. But a Christian doesn't have that. So mm -hmm. I doubt, I, based on much, I doubt Michael Todd is a Christian. He doesn't seem to have any reverence for God. He seems right. like he needs to change Jesus to a woman in that Easter play. Mm -hmm. What was that about? Right. Jesus is a woman. The Savior is a woman. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a it was a gross misrepresentation of the gospel. Um, a lot of perversion in that little Easter play. But um, he appeared to not have the conviction that the Holy Spirit gives with the new heart that God mm -hmm. promises in Ezekiel 36. New affections, a new spirit I'll put in you, and I'll cause you to walk in my uh, after my commands. That's mm -hmm. Ezekiel 36, 25, 27. I will wash you clean. Yeah. I will take your heart of stone out. I'll give you a new heart of flesh, uh, and I will put my spirit, a new spirit, I'll put my spirit in you, and I'll cause you to walk. This is God saying, I'm going to change what you believe. That's salvation. Mm -hmm. New life. You're born again. Yeah. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. Like, mm -hmm. everything is new. Why would someone that has a heart after God wanting God's commandments, enjoying them, and fighting against his own sinful leftover tendencies because we're still in the flesh, why would that person ever say, I don't know why. Like, mm -hmm. come on, guys. Like, we can't change him. He's too big. Mm -hmm. Why would you have that sort of a defense for the sin as if, why would God do that? Why is that doubt of God in your experience? Michael Todd mm -hmm. is... It's, Not it doesn't give any evidence of being a Christian. Without saying it blatantly, it's all just to affirm sin, right? Yeah. It's all just to that to total make, inclusivity. Yeah, to make sin. It's terrible. A good. Th uh, without saying it like that, they're basically saying it's okay to sin, like as long as you love God, you're good. Yeah, and it, it's, it's now Michael Todd wasn't saying that in that essence, right. but he he had that. Mm -hmm. It, it seemed like that, he was hoping that God would just change the rules so that everyone God could come in and live their sin. Or that God made a bad call. That's yeah. what it seemed like to me. Like, God, uh, you, you kind of dropped the ball there. Like, yeah. there's all these people that you're But excluding. since you're in charge, we're going to submit. Yeah. Like, he made it seem like submission to God is a reluctance. Mm -hmm. To the unconverted sinner, yes. Mm -hmm. But to the believer, God is sweet and special Absolutely. and precious. Like, mm -hmm. we want that. We mm -hmm. know it's true. It's in our hearts. We have the Spirit conforming our hearts to Him. Mm -hmm. We desire the things of God. Yeah. Why would someone ever defend saying, oh, poor you guys. Mm -hmm. You guys can't practice your true love. It's not love. It's deception. Right. There might be loving things in and real relationships, right. but The emotions are real for yeah. sure. But... Those people are living real lives, but mm -hmm. they're, they're in their sin. Things mm -hmm. that Romans 1 uh, 
opposes, things that all scripture opposes, things that Christ opposes, because he spoke about marriage, male, female. Mm-hmm. He wasn't uncertain about that. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting because we see so much of this. We see so many people trying to take down the barriers that God put up yeah. as if those barriers were man-made. Mm-hmm. They're in scripture. Yeah. God knows what he's doing. We don't have to fix his plan. Yeah. We just have to submit to him if we're doing it in faith. Otherwise, it's just going to be like external religion, and that's corruption right there anyway. So, so I, I really wanted to, to bring up this. Uh, uh, I, I saw a video interview of um, a sort of a debate between a Christian who was a homosexual, mm-hmm. and he explicitly talked about his uh, temptation and his inclinations towards that homosexuality. And he was uh, talking with people who are trying to affirm the LGBTQ into Christianity. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, he, he was talking and he was saying, like, I still have those temptations, but I, uh, the Bible says I have to deny myself. And he was mm-hmm. talking about how he has to uh, kill this flesh every day to pursue God because God is better. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing better than God. And, and, uh, uh, and, and I'm not quoting everything exactly. Um, but yeah, and how he's is in pursuit of that. And uh, the other person on the other side asked him, well, does that mean uh, you'll never get married? You know, and the guy said, probably. And I'm like, that's that's so awesome to to recognize that that real, very real struggle. But also as a true believer, you are to to deny yourself Mm -hmm. to follow Christ. Yeah. And that could look all sorts of ways that for that gentleman, it might mean he uh he might never because he's get not married. attracted to women. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It so might mean he, he might never get married. But a, a is God that, made eunuch? Is that yeah. is that sad? Yeah, maybe. But also, what he's pursuing is so much greater. Mm-hmm. It's greater than marriage. It's greater than than anything in this world. It's, yeah. it's it's an eternal life with God. And I'm like, that is so commendable to one be able to openly talk about that struggle, but also to deny that and yeah. to to de- well to deny yourself. And pursue God mm-hmm. like that is a very real Christian. And there's 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 those that will you know be born again, new heart, and they're they're changing their affections so strongly that mm-hmm. they no longer have the same affections. So mm-hmm. there's those that come out of homosexuality, or some come right. out of addiction. They're no longer tempted by those things. They have an aversion to those things. They don't mm-hmm. want them. They're not interested. They they actually have like a strong negative feeling about those. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's those that still struggle, like, man, like, I, I can't be around those circles, I can't be around those things because I'm still tempted. Mm-hmm. But by the grace of God, they're conformed to mm-hmm. Christ, they're growing in their sanctification. Uh, the problem is, is because we see in Methodism currently, this is not what John Wesley was talking about. Right. This is not the Methodism of Wesley. However, um, it it came from it, and now it's in this really weird place where they're welcoming everything, and these are their statements. So their statement about empowerment talks about dignity and their sexual faith communities. Uh, Prevention says, we believe that we have a duty of care toward all LGBTQ plus people. And so we commit ourselves to listen to the experiences of our LGBTQ members, LGBT plus members, in order to identify and eradicate any harmful practice that inhibits the flourishing of us all. And that could be good in one way, Uh, eradicate any like uh, evil homophobic behavior eradicate that let that not be something in the church where we are like violent towards homosexuals no. uh, violent towards the pride there should be no violence right towards um, anybody but there should be an intentional outgoing spirit mm-hmm. where we reach out with the gospel to call all people to repentance mm-hmm. and if someone's going on a pride parade 
displaying the things God hates, then it is our responsibility to go and preach. And I'd say it, it would be it would be good to go and, and preach at those places. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe how you handle it might not be great. Right. Maybe how you handle it might not be well-timed. But, I mean, preaching outside of abortion clinics, preaching on the street where there's a bunch of uh, essentious behavior going on, that's not wrong. It, it, it seems like it just stirs up in the in the heart for someone to go to the place where they know sin is happening to try to call people to repent out of that. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have to just go only to the non-sinful places and right. preach. We should go out to the street corners, to the places, and it, it, it makes sense that people would want to do that. But this seems like it's rejecting the, the practice of that, mm-hmm. rejecting preaching the gospel and calling people to repent from right. sin, from LGBT+. And then partnership. We recognize that for too long, those of us who are LGBT plus have been excluded from decisions that impact our lives. And so we commit to always work in partnership so that together we can prevent, detect, and report spiritual abuse. There is no LGBT plus Christian that is supporting LGBT plus. There's no such thing. Even if you have homosexual tendencies, transgender tendencies, whatever it is, there is no one that supports that that is born of God, unless they are completely stuck in a really strange place that the Bible doesn't know anything about, where they're supporting that sin, and yet they're free in Christ. That seems like total opposites. To be for Christ and then to so strongly be for what Christ hates. Mm-hmm. It just seems odd. It's just like an unbaptized Christian. Like, what are you doing? Get baptized. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like a Christian that doesn't go to church. Like, what do you mean you don't go to church? Mm-hmm. I just don't go. The Bible says don't yeah. get out of the habit of congregating like some have. Like, continue to congregate. This is where your spiritual gifts take place. This is where you learn to kind of uh, learn and grow with each other. So they have a prayer uh, for Pride Month on their mm-hmm. website. It says, Gracious God, as during Pride Month we are reminded of your love for all people. Pride Month apparently is about the love of God, even though it's about homosexual Uh, and all that sexual pride. Help all those who experience internalized homophobia because of the burden of their surroundings and trauma of their past. May the grace and peace of Christ dwell richly in our hearts so that we may be unburdened by shame and see ourselves as you truly see us, as your precious and diverse sons and daughters in Christ. Hear the cries of our hearts and free us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. That's their prayer for Pride Month for sexual pride, for all the various sexualities. That's their prayer. Yeah, They're proud of Pride Month. They're proud of that. This is current Methodism. Now, I'm not saying every single church, but it's, it's as if it's like a common thing mm-hmm. to know that, hey, Methodists, they're the ones with the LGBTQ pastors. They're the ones with the LGBTQ flag. Like, they're it. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Yeah. Um, that that came out of such a strong effort to denounce worldliness and yeah. sin. Like that came out of Wesleyan theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so odd that that became the thing. Uh, also, they have a position on abortion. Uh, it says, what is the position of the Methodist Church on abortion? And quote, the Methodist Conference Statement of 1976 states that human the human fetus has an inviolable right to life and that abortion should never be seen as an alternative to con- contraception. That was good. Mm-hmm. And then they the fell book? downwards. <laughs> 
Yet, it also recognizes that the fetus is totally dependent on the mother for at least the first 20 weeks of its life, and the mother has a total right to decide whether or not to continue the pregnancy. Uh, so, it, it continues on, and I don't want to go too much further than that, but there it is. So, we're okay with abortion up until a point. They set the standard for when life matters, and uh, yeah. and they're okay with the entire LGBTQ yeah. movement. So. As if the baby didn't depend on the mother after yeah. the birth as well. Or during the birth. Yeah. Or if the during mother didn't push. After, yeah. if the mother didn't push, the baby yeah. would suffocate. You're right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think we went went on that one a little bit. It seemed like Methodism really needs to take a little wake-up call. Um, not mm-hmm. all. Again, there are probably some that really are faithful right. and are consistent with the Bible, but right. it seems like the common vision or image of Methodism right now is really in line with that. And that's mm-hmm. their websites. That's major yeah. websites. So it looks like... Maybe if there's an independent Methodist church somewhere mm-hmm. or somewheres, maybe they don't line up with this. But when your website, the one in UK and United yeah, States. I would change the the name of that church. Yeah. If I didn't align with that and if I was aligned with more biblical, if I was a, that pastor of the independent Methodist church, I would I would change the name. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just disappointing yeah. to see that because that's what the world sees. That's what the newscasts. That's, it's just, yeah. it's, not, it's not what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. So let's continue on. And certain groups arose out of Methodism that really focused on that part. The holiness movement says that if you really have the spirit, you're going to pursue holiness. And the Pentecostals go a step further and say that that includes speaking in tongues. So groups that spawned from these movements include the Salvation Army, the ones that are always doing charity and stuff, the Church of the Nazarene, a big holiness denomination, the Redeemed Christian Church of God, another big holiness denomination from Nigeria, the Assemblies of God, a Pentecostal group, and the Church of God in Christ, a historically black American denomination. Okay, so that was, um, they touched on the holiness movement, which Mm -hmm. I get it. It spawned from there because you're aiming for perfection. You're aiming for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Pentecostal, that's one of the major denominations, and they trace their roots back to the 19th century with Charles Fox Parham, who sought to bring back the Pentecost experience of Glossolalia with Agnes Osnum. Um, And it's actually a restorationist movement. There are several restorationist movements. There's the uh, Jehovah Witnesses. There's the... um, Mormons uh, and Pentecostal. I think those are three of the major restorationist movements. Can, what, you, can you explain what yeah, that is real quick? Restoration movement is is people that consider that either the devil or the world or the church has hijacked the Bible and changed what it means or changed the Christian faith practice. And we have to go back because everything that's happened from the day of Pentecost or the day of Christ and the apostles has been warped in a in such a way that Christianity is not actually what it is. So everything that everyone's practicing isn't actual Christianity. You got to go back and start over. Um, so they they have taught that, um, for example, uh, Jehovah Witnesses teach that the Bible's been corrupt. That's not the right translation. Jesus isn't actually God. He was just an uh, like a make believe. He was like a demigod. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, an angel in disguise. So they de deny the godness of jesus Mm -hmm. they think there was some sort of divinity but it wasn't total and they have a whole bunch of other theology that that gets messed up as well uh mormons believe that uh the bible has been kind of changed uh they need to go to their books they have new revelations and they have a book of mormon pearl of great price doctrines and covenants and the entire book of mormon goes in almost word almost statement for statement uh opposition to the bible when you read statements from the book of mormon you're like that's 
the opposite of what the Bible says about mm-hmm. that aspect. It's really interesting how they really go specifically against that. Um, and yet for them, they elevate the Book of Mormon over the Bible because anything that the Bible disagrees with the Book of Mormon, that's that part that was corrupted by mankind. Right. So for them, they're, they turn back to the Book of Mormon. Just like Roman Catholics, anytime the Bible speaks against their Catholicism, uh, they go back to the Roman Catholic catechism. They're like, see, that's that's not right because the catechism explains that and that's not really what it means. So mm. they're always reverting to their own books. And the catechism was created for the Roman Catholics by all the popes. That's what they said. So that's their Bible. They really study and live off that. So <clears throat> a restorationist movement basically comes and says, we need the truth and mm-hmm. we have it and it was broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pentecostals teach that uh, the Trinity's not biblical. Um, one is Pentecostals. There are Trinitarian Pentecostals. There are. Oh. Uh, so, but one is Pentecostals. Apostolics um, teach that um, these are the signs of salvation, speaking in tongues. And it's not an, an, another language. It's mm-hmm. considered an angelic language. Right. So we, we know. Um, however, that's their main theology, that this is what it is. The baptism has to be in the externally proclaimed, the verbally proclaimed name of Jesus. It's not under the standard of Jesus, as traditional Christianity teaches, like under the, in the, in reverence to what Christ has taught, in agreement with who Christ is, in the name of, as in, in agreement with his character, Jesus taught in the name of the Father, Son, Spirit, in agreement with Jesus, that's the baptism. They teach that it has to actually be in the Jesus' name proclaimed. Every other baptism is false and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you must speak in tongues and it has to sound the way that it commonly does nowadays and what mm-hmm. people know as speaking in tongues. And Signs, wonders, miracles is like an ongoing, regular, normative reality Yeah. in sometimes very numerous ways among right. all real Pentecostal congregations. It can get pretty mystical, too, it could, in that aspect. It could. Yeah. So there's some that have a faithful way of handling it. There's some mm-hmm. that don't. Uh, so they focus on speaking in tongues, uh, claiming ongoing miracles, movement of the Holy Spirit. For them, that is usually what happens at the altar. Uh, energetic and enthusiastic preaching. Uh, sometimes it goes really far left. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it it's a faithful energy. Right. Yeah, I think people can get very excited about the word. Right. That's good. Um, yeah, because I think we throw out charismatic a lot. Yeah, you know, in in our episodes, um, I, I think it's it would be helpful to say you know there's there's a good charismatic yeah. way to go about yeah, it. Charismatic you know? is like the animated yeah. way mm-hmm. that people go about things. Absolutely. I'm very charismatic about mm-hmm. how I preach and uh, I use my arms and legs and I jump around. <laughs> but uh, but um, there's those that like scream at the top of their lungs. Right. There's those that like... It's, do, they're, they're, they're trying to get some kind of reaction. Yeah, and yeah. You, could, you could see that. And they, mm-hmm. they, really, they really aim in on that. Uh, those mm-hmm. that do. They aim in on that. That has to be the evidence. If someone isn't falling over, for them that's like there's not enough of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So the spirit is associated with all this activity, but Mm -hmm. the Bible says that the spirit will bring conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So Mm -hmm. that's the spirit converting and convicting and leading people to saving faith and to repentance and to sanctification. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's doing those things. He's leading people. He's guiding people in their life. But one of the main works that the Holy Spirit does is brings those convictions um, to work in the in the believer's heart, in a person's heart in general. And the preaching of the word brings the word and the spirit brings that conviction and the person responds and some of the response, it could be great. And, mm-hmm. but ultimately the response doesn't make the spirit do more things. Right. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse. So some of their churches are the assemblies of God, Pentecostal holiness church, the vineyard fellowship and apostolic Pentecostal. Those mm-hmm. are some of the churches that flow from there. 
and now we're going to get into Lutheranism. Alright, next up are the Lutherans. They're named after Martin Luther because they come right out of the Reformation, where Luther wanted people to preach the gospel. So basically, Luther thought the Bible had two messages, really. Law and gospel. The law explains that you're not good enough, but the gospel says that's okay because Jesus is. So Lutheran thinking of the three persons of the Trinity is centered a lot around Jesus and his gospel. And they want to make sure that the gospel message is pure. Are you looking to your own personal experiences to know if you're saved? Don't do that. You need to be looking to Christ. How do you know that what Christ did is for you? It was given to you in baptism, because baptism saves. Want to experience Jesus now? Again, don't look to your personal experiences. You need to look to something outside of yourself. Specifically, the Lord's Supper, where the body and blood of Christ are really present and given for you. That's right. When Jesus said, this is my body, he meant it because is means is. Seriously, you do not want to start a fight with a Lutheran about this. So, so as we can see, his explanation of Lutheranism is that it's very, um, I guess you could say it's very high church. Um, mm -hmm. Strong focus on, on the sacraments and on the practices, right. which should bring you those convictions. But don't overly focus on the conviction or the feeling because they could be wrong. And in essence, that's true. You know, mm -hmm. don't don't completely believe your heart. Let your heart be conformed to the word of God. The heart don't is deceitful yeah. above all things. Exactly, yeah. as Jeremiah mm -hmm. said. So mm -hmm. uh, it is important. Uh, however, some people could take it too much of that and they completely disengage from their emotions and feelings. And it's yeah. important to have a healthy balance because God gave us emotions. For exactly. And, and see, and that's, that's where I've seen a lot of extremes when it comes to these denominations. It's, yeah. it's either you're, you gotta be so formal, so uh, almost ritualistic about yeah. how you do church and you know, no, don't go so far. But then there's also the other side where it's hyper charismatic. It's the shouting, the rolling yeah, around go on the by ground. Your feelings. Yeah, yeah, go go exactly how how you feel. Like it's all about your experience. It's like no. I think sometimes they have this like mystical view. Those mm -hmm. hyper charismatic churches that mm -hmm. if the name of Jesus is being exalted, yeah, and this is happening this can't be in disagreement. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of strange because usually you'll see that. You'll see someone saying, Jesus, Jesus, they'll say fire, fire, because they think the fire is good. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, said, uh, who was it? John the Baptist mm -hmm. was the one that says, you know, he's, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then mm -hmm. he explains in the following verse, uh, Matthew 3, verses 11 to 12, says, as for me, I baptize you, with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And people just stop there. Yeah. But you don't stop there. Keep going. <laughs> uh, it says, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn. That's the saved ones. That's the Holy Spirit. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Yeah. That's the ones that are fire baptized. Condemned, yes. So we can't take this like, oh, okay, bring the fiery feeling. That's not it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only positive sense of fire in the, in the New Testament is really referring to the fact that flame, uh, tongues as of fire right. at, at Pentecost. But they, they connect that. Yeah, and, you know, they and connect I, that immediately. Yeah, and I think that's where later on down the line we'll we'll get into the specifics of yeah, that. But absolutely. yeah, I just wanted to to make that comment on like the the extremes of yeah. both and how going extreme one way or the other is is bad. Because then there's the cessationists as well. Yeah, you know uh, um, the un yeah yeah the the unhealthy unhealthy cessationists. cessationists where they're like there are no miracles that the uh, the who is it they say that all the 
the healings and everything that all ceased yeah. uh, with the apostles. Um, I, I understand the the uh, belief, uh, like because there's that false expectation that at every service mm-hmm. somebody's gonna get healed or get up and walk out of a yeah. wheelchair. Like, no, don't have that expectation. But to go as far as to say there's no more healing, mm-hmm. I would I would disagree. I agree that God still, according to his will and however he works that out, our part is to ask God, you know, God, if it is your will, heal this person. Yeah. You God know? still heals. Yeah, and, what he, we don't and God see. will do so yeah. according to his will. What we don't see is people walking around with a strictly healing ministry, mm-hmm. hopping around from nation to nation, performing real healings. Mm-hmm. We don't see that. No. Because we know that cancer words aren't being cleared out. And yeah. that should be the number one place. If you're going to bring healing, heal the thing that everyone's scared of. Yeah. Cancer and COVID. Yeah. Heal that. Yeah. We don't see that. No, we don't. But we do see in times that people come together, either it's one person praying for someone on the street, not those weird hyper mystical ones where they pretend that they're infusing you with the Holy Spirit. See, Catherine me looks, Kirk. Yeah. Like I, I <laughs> false everything. Yeah. But we're talking about real prayer, real people praying, and then something amazing happens. That person fully heals. Well, the distinction there, though, is like, um, the gospel is faithfully preached. Yeah, so exactly. So even if there was no healing, that person comes to Christ. Yeah, because and that's the main healing you want, healing exactly, the soul. Exactly, yeah. and, and that's what I, I always reiterate. It's like, um, no, I don't know if God is going to heal you, you know, but here's the gospel. And, you know, if their response is positive, that I, I believe, mm-hmm. like that's all the healing you want. Because what good is it for God to just heal the person and then that go, person goes on and lives however they want mm-hmm. apart from God. They live another 80 years only to die and go to hell. Yeah. Like, and there were people that Jesus encountered that probably had that same outcome. Probably. That's why he, that's why he would give the warning saying, mm-hmm. don't go sin again. Because mm-hmm. there is the ability to just reject christ despite mm-hmm. the miracle he performed exactly so so yeah the extremes Absolutely. <laughs> now some lutherans didn't like how the lutheran tradition was so skeptical of personal experience and they wanted to focus more on it so they became the pietists and that's how you get things like the evangelical free church presbyterians are up next they're also straight out of the reformation and their beliefs are called reformed reformed thinking is very god-centered so they probably focus most on god the father specifically god's sovereignty and god's covenant what? Sorry. The way God's in control of everything and the promises that God makes. Yeah, Reformed people use a lot of big theology words like infralapsarian, but the reason they'd use big theology words is because they're very focused on theology, because theology is the study of God, and they're very focused on God. They're theology nerds, and they're also kind of stereotyped as the nerdy Christians in general, and they're the most likely of all Christians to study science and stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Reformed, um, well, Presbyterians... Yeah, he said Presbyterians, right? Yeah. Um, They're straight out of the Reformation. Yeah, so they they take their roots back to Calvin, Mm -hmm. um, and they adhere to the pattern of religious thought known as Reformed theology, which focuses on sovereignty of God, the authority of Scripture, the necessity of God-given grace through Mm -hmm. uh, faith for salvation. Uh, They adhere, Presbyterians predominantly, to a form of government that stresses the active representational leadership of both ministers and church members, so Mm -hmm. the Presbytery. Uh, for them, some of the main churches they have is the OPC. We actually have one here, um, Reformed Presbyterian and Covenant Presbyterian. So that's that's where Presbyterian falls in line. They're mm-hmm. also the ones just like Sproul. So he was a Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. Uh, they practice infant baptism, not for salvation, but for right. that covenant, that same claim that it is as much a covenant as the uh, 
circumcision was. And when I've studied scripture, I'm like, I see where they're getting at. Mm-hmm. I see where believers' baptism happens with right. Baptists. I see where Presbyterians get theirs. So I'm like, I'm cool with all yeah. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so let's... But yeah, anyway, God's sovereignty and covenant are the lens through which the Reformed view all of Christianity. If God's in control of everything, that includes who will and will not be saved. Yes, Reformed theology is Calvinism, which is the idea that God's already decided whether or not you'll be saved. However, everyone forgets about this part of Calvinism, which is that baptism is a covenant promise that saves as long as you don't reject the promise. So salvation's still by faith alone. Reformed worship is also very regulated, so if you like speaking in tongues, altar calls, wild worship music, and images of Christ, don't expect to have fun at a Presbyterian church. (laughs) Instead, you'll find very orderly worship, psalm singing, people sitting in the back of the church, and, of course, Holy Communion, where we do receive the body and blood of Christ, but he's not physically in the elements, we receive him spiritually. And Presbyterians aren't the only Reformed churches. There's also the Dutch Reformed, the Swiss Reformed, and maybe even the Puritan Congregationalists, who have basically the same theology. They're only different in terms of geography and history. There's also a big group of people that call themselves Reformed, but they're only defining Reformed as believing in predestination and not necessarily the other parts of Reformed theology. Yeah. <laughs> He's it, so good. Yeah. In <laughs> essence, yeah. Uh, some people disagree. Because yeah, just like we know, these these preachers... Um, we, we, we benefit from a lot of them. Um, Absolutely. They, they fall under the reformed banner. However, we know that predominantly they're really just aiming, um, theologically in Calvinism, uh, yeah. predestination, the sovereignty of God. It's the, if I'm not mistaken, all of them avoid the infant baptism. Mm-hmm. So they're not falling in line with that. They don't have the same structure in their churches as the presbytery. Not mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, some of them might. So uh, I would just say like, first of all, all those guys. You could listen to all their stuff. Solid Solid guys. guys. There's also a group of Protestants that were Protestant before Protestants existed. (laughs) And speaking of which, all these groups that I've talked about so far are called Protestant. But what does that even mean? Is there anything that unites all Protestants? Yes, there are the traditional Protestant beliefs, but a lot of modern Protestants don't really believe those anymore. Which is sad. Mm. Uh, Grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to Scripture, for the glory of God. Like, that is the the solace of the Mm -hmm. Reformation. Um, that's that yeah. was what it was articulated yeah. as far as separating from Rome. Yeah, and they're, I mean, it's all biblical too. Yeah. Like keeping it in yeah. scripture, yeah. absolutely. We, I think, we definitely fall under uh, reformed. Yeah, yeah. Especially because each Protestant tradition has liberal leaning and conservative leaning denominations that each have their own liberal and conservative factions within them, yeah. and the most radically liberal ones don't believe anything Christian anymore at all. There are some Protestant churches that have lesbian pastors and leftist political symbols, and there's others that make the news for their right-wing beliefs. <laughs> Good old Johnny Mac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that they look at it as extreme right-wing, but he's just saying... Um, he just says everything sa- matter Same-sex marriage. It, yeah. He's just like, he opposes same-sex marriage. Well, the Bible opposes same-sex yeah. marriage. Like, <laughs> It's not like an extreme right, but some people would view it that way, I guess. Yeah. Some Protestant churches look very traditional and similar to Catholics. Other Protestant churches look very contemporary and don't resemble a traditional church at all. So is there anything that all of these different Protestant groups agree on? Yes, there actually is one thing. It's that the Bible has more authority than the church. A conservative Lutheran would say both the Bible and church tradition have a lot of authority, but the Bible has slightly more. A fundamentalist Baptist would say the Bible has a lot of authority, and church tradition doesn't have any authority at all, really. 
A progressive pastor would say neither the Bible nor church tradition have much authority at all, but the Bible still has a little bit more given the church's history of patriarchy and colonization. And that's why there are so many different Protestant denominations. Because if the ultimate authority is the Bible, and not the church, it's okay for the church to split if people have different interpretations of parts of the Bible. And for Protestants, that's okay, they can still be united spiritually as the church, and they can usually still take communion with each other. Yeah, and that's the that's the right way to go about it. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you can't if you can't agree on the non essentials mm-hmm. and you absolutely have to fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go make another church. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It's not even what the Bible prescribes. It's just what we're doing. And we're trying it looks like mankind is trying their best mm-hmm. to maintain the unity of the faith just in separate buildings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then not to mention you, too, you just wish, you yeah. just wish they'd agree. Yeah. And then, like I said, not to mention there's a, uh, uh, pastors that also in a very unhealthy way, uh, think that the sheep, the people are theirs, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and that's just, it creates an unhealthy or rather I should say it breaks a bridge with other churches. Uh, one thing that I like about pastor Jeremy, uh, is that, he's actually like all for reaching out to other faithful uh, churches and like, let's collaborate. Let's help each other Mm -hmm. out. Now there's a few churches in town that are very like that, uh, that are very much like that. Uh, But then again, there are those churches where it's like, they don't believe in this dress code. Cut them off. Like, like, come on. They're not in the truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now this idea is rejected by all the churches I'm about to go over because they all claim to be the one true church founded by Jesus and his apostles. I've heard that before. And Mm -hmm. they think that the church assembled the Bible, so the Bible can't possibly have more authority than the church. The most famous of these churches are the Catholics. They think that St. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom by Jesus, making him the leader of the church, or the Pope, and that ever since him there's been an unbroken chain of popes leading all the way up to the current Pope, and the authority that Peter had is currently held by the Pope because of apostolic succession. It's all about authority for the Catholics. They think the Church has the authority to forgive sins, cast out demons, and interpret the scriptures. So the Church itself is the kingdom of God here on earth, and salvation is about participating in the Church. So that's why they reject salvation by faith alone. They'd still say salvation is by faith, but faith includes cooperating with grace and participating in the Church specifically through the seven sacraments, the most important of which is Holy Communion, where the Church has the authority to do a miracle, called transubstantiation, where the bread and wine literally change into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. This is how we commune with Christ and all of his Church, on earth and in heaven. Yes, they believe that saints that have died and gone to heaven are still part of the Church, which is why they pray to the saints and the Virgin Mary, not out of worshipping them, but just like asking them to pray for us. Okay. So, um, real quick, I have a, uh, first of all, no, uh, but, uh, so, uh, was it the Lutherans that have that similar idea with the, uh, with the bread and the wine, the bread and the wine, uh, similar ish, similar ish. Um, it isn't the, it isn't the actual body, but the spirit is there mm-hmm. in the midst of it. Okay. But they're saying that it's, 
no. actually the yeah. flesh and the blood. Okay, like it. Now, how how some Lutherans handle it, I I don't I I don't know. True. There right. might be some that actually think this is true substan- transubstantiation. Mm-hmm. Like God is actually there. Uh, the view of the Catholic Mass, which is their number one sacrament of all things, that's mm-hmm. the writ, and you got to pay for it, um, is the priest is given the authority to pull Christ off his throne mm-hmm. every single day in every place that the Mass takes place. So Christ is pulled off his throne in thousands of different places at once and turned into bread. Mm-hmm. And you're actually eating his body yeah so he's it's the idea is that roman catholic priests have the authority to bring christ into submission where he is pulled off the throne out of heaven by these priests and turned into bread it's a great uh it's a it's a huge blasphemy it really is the roman catholic mass is a great blasphemous act where christ is uh, minimized mm-hmm. under the authority of a priest yeah. has to submit and is re-killed, re-sacrificed every single time is performed in every single place by the hand of the priest. It's it's atrocity, mm-hmm. if anything. Um, but the problem also is their theology in other areas is also screwed up. And I don't know if that's a nice way of saying it. It is. It's it's botched. Let me refer to that right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to anyone I have not yet offended. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Thank you, Carlos, <laughs> yes. for your <laughs> input into my office. Uh, they pray to the saints uh, and the Virgin Mary, but they don't. They're just asking them for help. Listen. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely not. The Bible condemns all worship or all reverence for everyone and anything that is not God himself. Mm-hmm. You can't pray to or bow to an angel, just like in John's uh, book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. You can't uh, pray to or bow to Peter, who is apparently the official pope that started it all. Yeah. He didn't receive praise and worship. He rejected that. Mm-hmm. But you can pray to and venerate. They use the word venerate as if that's not worship to Mary, who's dead. Uh, well, she's in heaven, but... But she's dead. Physically, <laughs> yeah. yes. And uh, to the saints who are dead. And most of those aren't even saints because they, they follow the Pope and they worship Mary. They practice idolatry. Mm-hmm. They they thought they had authority to re- re-kill Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not... Predominantly, I wouldn't see Roman Catholics as being m- the majority in heaven. I'd see the majority of them are still in their sins. They believe mm-hmm. a, a, a man forgave them other than Christ. Yeah. They believe their mediatrix is Mary. They mm-hmm. pray to Holy Mary they worshiped her that's not christianity but because they have a bible because they say jesus name they just fall in line externally that's why we have to study the theology yeah to the world that's just another christian church but to christianity they are it's not a false church it's just uh it 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 is the the great heresy Mm -hmm. that that is a heresy Mm -hmm. that's an opinion that's against the bible yeah and on the on the whole saints thing like uh, the Bible says there is no intermediary between God uh, and and the church except through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So you don't need to pray to anybody else. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's so wild. Because I, I remember a story that happened here in Yuma. And I was younger off of First Street where uh, this guy was cutting a tree. I think it was a palm tree. And when he cut it down in that palm tree, there was a figure that looked like the Virgin Mary. And everybody in town that was Catholic would go there to, and they would put candles and all kinds of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. You, 
Great. And, that, and that's not worship. Let's worship a tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else do they teach? Well, it's a lot, so I can't really tell you, but you could look it up for yourself because Catholics have an answer to basically everything. Catholicism really wants to figure out everything about everything, and that's how they helped contribute to the development of modern science. Now, the Eastern Orthodox are the exact opposite. They leave most things up to mystery, and they even try to define God in terms of what he isn't. And they say we can't even really understand what God is, we can only perceive God's energies through our mystical, spiritual experiences. The Eastern Orthodox also claimed to be the one true church, but they had a big, nasty divorce with the Catholics about a thousand years ago. It was about a lot of things, but the biggest one was about the Trinity. You see, all the churches I've already talked about have this model of the Trinity, where the Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. But the Orthodox reject that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son, saying that the Holy Spirit only proceeds from the Father. Why? It's complicated, but the biggest reason is that it's not part of their tradition. And in Orthodoxy, tradition matters most. That's why all the trad people online often end up becoming Orthodox. Okay. So, um, just a little info on, uh, on the Great Schism. Uh, that's what he was talking about. So, Roman Catholicism was the ruling power, and then at 1054, at some point, um, the East separated from the West. Uh, the Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox separated from the Roman Empire, in essence. And as he was saying that they're really mystical about everything, it's because the East actually falls in line with the Greek philosophy. So they had that influence, and it's super thinky and heady and all that. Um, Which the, goes nowhere, by the way. Sometimes it goes nowhere. Sometimes yeah. it goes places, interesting places. <laughs> um, so what separated, what separated them was... Uh, it's one word in the Nicene Creed. Let me let me show what that is. We still have the Nicene Creed pulled up, but here's here's the third part pertaining to the Holy Spirit. He says, "And we believe in the Holy Spirit, uh, the Lord, the Giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. That and the Son part, that's the filioque. It wasn't there in the original. It was added later on at some point uh, around the." First, uh, around the 10th century, 11th century, um, it was officially established by the Roman, uh, by the Pope. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, it's and the son. And they put that in the new Nicene Creed copies. The old one didn't have it. And then they added that in. And where they're getting that from is they're getting that from here. You got John 14, 16 to 17. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you will know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So the Holy Spirit comes from the Father. But then when you go to John 15, one, chap- uh, one chapter later, uh, chapter 15, verse 26, uh, Jesus is speaking, saying, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. So they have that section of scripture which Jesus says, I'm going to send him from the Father. And he proceeds from the Father. So they have that aspect where he proceeds both from the Son and the Father. You know, the Son sends it and the Father sends it. But the, there's those that line up saying, no, he, he just proceeds from the Father. He doesn't proceed from the Son and the Father because some people take that section of the scripture and say, look, I'm going to send you from the Father means 
so Jesus is sending it. So it's coming from Jesus, but it's also coming from the Father. So they have that part in the Nicene Creed, which says, and the Son, and that was added later on. But because of the tradition that that wasn't the case with the East in the Orthodox, when that happened, they were like, we're not agreeing with this. Not only did they disagree with the Pope's great authority, mm-hmm. they, disagree, they disagreed with that. They also disagreed on aspects of the Lord's Supper. But they also specifically disagreed and said, this is it. Like, we, we, we disagree with this. And even now, if you look at the, uh, the East Orthodox Church, their Nicene Creed does not have and the Son. It just has, he proceeds from the Father. That one word, the philo, that one aspect, is, is one of the things that broke that relationship, which is funny. <laughs> it's it's funny how much we fight about. Um, yeah. It's not it's not it's not a major theological point. Like it, it's not. Yeah, I don't see it as a major theological point. I'll go with either. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> um, we, we fight about the wrong things. <laughs> yeah. So they disagree about clerical celibacy. They wanted to have uh, wives. Um, and it was Pope Leo the fourth from the West, from Roman, uh, Roman Catholicism, and Michael Cerularius from the East, and they mutually excommunicated each other. So they're like, you can't come to my house and... You're out, and the other guy's like, "You're out too." So, so they both like, vi- like, you can't fire me. Yeah. I quit. <laughs> so, so that's what happened. Um, but what we had recently in 1962, between 1962 and 65, is the Vatican Council II, the mm-hmm. Second Vatican Council. They uh, validated the sacraments that the East Orthodox Church practices. The Roman Catholic Church basically said, "Hey, your sacraments are good." <laughs> that's like some of the nicest stuff that they said to them in. Hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that's where they're at. <laughs> the salvation work. Now, the Orthodox reject Western ideas of original sin, and they don't like to talk in legal terms the way that the Catholics and Protestants do. So instead, they talk about theosis, where salvation is about oneness with God and uniting ourselves to God and sort of partaking in the divine nature itself. And that happens through the holy mysteries of the church. And there's another group of churches that claim to be the Orthodox churches. The Oriental Orthodox ones, these churches, you don't hear about them as much because they've spent most of their existence as islands of Christianity in a vast sea of Islam. And they're pretty similar to the Eastern Orthodox, so why have they been separate for almost 1600 years? Well, you see, the Eastern Orthodox, along with all the other churches we've already discussed, say Jesus has two natures, a fully human nature and a fully divine nature. The Oriental Orthodox say that Jesus has one nature that's fully human and fully divine. I know, it's completely different. <laughs> it's yeah. so it's so unreasonable to divide over that. Because you can't even explain the incarnation of Christ. That's one of the most yeah. mysterious things ever. This is a great mystery. God came in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Like, how? What does that mean? Like, he had, he had a human mother... And God, through the Holy Spirit, gave her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And he was able and capable of living without sin, even though he was tempted because he was human. Mm -hmm. He was able to die, even though he had uh, the ability to know men's hearts, to to know their hearts and minds, to perform miracles. Like, what is the incarnation of Christ, Mm -hmm. if not a mystery? Yeah. You can explain it and articulate it and give details and historical facts of what it looked like and what it what he said about it and what the scriptures say. But ultimately, how do you get that? They're trying to make it seem like they understood it all in all of its fullness. Oh, he's just one nature, fully human, fully divine. 
Okay. Bible says, you know, uh, fully God, fully man. And then he's like, no, no, it's just two natures. One's fully human, one's fully divine, and they're kind of just <laughs> holding hands. Like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> this is silly, but it, it reminds me of a meme that I saw. Yeah. That was like, uh, it was like, hey, uh, can I copy your homework? Oh, yeah, just change it a little bit so <laughs> they don't know <laughs> that, that we copied from each other. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that's pretty much all of them. There's some that I didn't include because it's unclear whether they believe the essentials of Christianity. Yeah, we got Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, they say you're not allowed to use instruments. Well, predominantly, their theology says you can lose your salvation, uh, baptism saves you, and you can still walk away from your salvation. That's false. Um, seven, uh, they they use just um, a cappella, like just all words. Mm -hmm. No instruments of any sorts are permitted. Um, so... That's their thing. Seventh-day Adventists actually say that if you're not practicing the Sabbath, like the observance of it, the Judaistic observance, uh, you're sinning against God. That's one of the commands. They don't understand that Christ is the Sabbath. We find our rest in him. Mm -hmm. uh, we live out in his presence every day. Um, it's good to take time off, time with God, but it isn't a command because it is now fulfilled. All of, all of those uh, commands have been fulfilled truly. We are living in the... In the New Covenant with mm -hmm. Christ. That's why they all met on the Lord's Day, uh, mm -hmm. on His resurrection, the Sunday. That's why the church was regularly meeting on that. They weren't uh, following the Sabbath sabbatical law in that way. Um, Quakers, they got interesting theology. You can look into those one day. And there's also some I didn't include because they very clearly do not believe the essentials of Christianity. Correct. <laughs> very clearly. Very clearly. Mm -hmm. Word of faith, prosperity gospel, Mormon Jehovah Witness, and radically progressive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They are explicitly heretical. I just, I've said this before. I wish they didn't call themselves Christian. Yeah. 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 That's the end of the video, right? Uh, yeah. It's a... But the vast majority of the churches do believe the essentials. And that's what's really important. Because they do disagree on a lot, and there's a lot of diversity within these churches, but the fact that they all can agree on these essentials suggests that the essentials are true. And all this diversity is what we should expect from a religion that has covered the entire world over the course of 2,000 years. Okay. So, where are we at? So, where should we go to church? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all There's, that in mind, yeah, now what are we supposed mind, to do? I think we should all just start our own church. <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think this is why I wanted to, you know, or this is why we got together to kind of hopefully explain well enough these different denominations. Mm -hmm. And in the next few episodes, uh, I hope to cover... Uh, a little more in detail, the essentials of what really is Christianity. Because, yeah. I mean, of course, we named off the Catholics uh, that they really aren't uh, biblical Christians. But because they were, uh, they've gained such a big following mm -hmm. and they're such an enormous church and they, they have the Bible, mm -hmm. they're fall under Christian. And, uh, you know, to get into more details what the essentials are. You know, of course, we have the Methodists that fell off the wagon at some point. Um so in the next few episodes, I want to be able to cover that. Yeah. And then, you know, hopefully explain, you know, based off of the, you know, real Christian doctrine, what to look for and what churches. And I definitely want to cover at the end of that video, some of those other churches too. 
um, especially the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons, yeah. because they've gained such an enormous uh, following. Yeah. I think I read a statistic that the JWs have uh, like 8 million people or something like that all across the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's more than apostolics. Yeah. I think apostolic I, Pentecostal is within uh, like 3 or 4 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's because Jehovah Witnesses they they really work hard to translate their 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 version of the Bible, mm-hmm. their uh, their changed version of the Bible to all these other languages. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really reaching out further, and, and and they man they when they get on their feet they go. Yeah, and if only we could learn from that. Like, I come was on, guys. Just like, about to say, like, learn learn from them. They got incredible uh, example to give us as Christians in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't take their theology. That's messed up. Their um, ethic, though, their their, stu- their, their effort ethic? to, to oh, study. Man. Yeah. See, yeah, we'll yeah. go into that. That'll yeah. be good. But yeah, I look forward to it. That's going to be good. Uh, I don't know how many more episodes we'll do about that, but we'll, we'll try to, to make it uh, yes, solid. As possible. And uh, yeah. the next one uh, that we'll, we'll cover will be what to look for in a church. Mm-hmm. So uh, join us next time on the Milk and Meat Podcast. God bless you guys. Because I be worried about your soul Why you still be down and you got a soul Like you need to see to believe these things But you believe things that you've never seen Like feelings and hopes and dreams The future emotions and gravity And sadly, 